0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my always lovely other half, Dr. Jess.
0: Hey, hey. How's how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. We're going to be answering some questions today. I'm always nervous to answer people's questions because I just don't have all the answers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you're looking for a panacea, I don't know where you go for that. Actually, please let me know.
0: Yeah. No, there's, I only have some perspective. I can like pull from data. I have maybe some insights because I've heard a lot of stories, but it's, I don't know, it feels like a lot of pressure to answer people's questions, especially when they're like, should I do this? Should I do that? And ultimately I don't have the answer, but we're... Going to hopefully shed some light and share our own perspectives on Look, a number of topics.
1: I, I think you're wonderful. I think you. I take so much out of our conversations. There's so much that I learn. But at the same time, you talk about you know not knowing where to go. I immediately think about all these podcasts, all these experts that you've had. All provide great insight into different elements of uh, you know relationships or sex or issues that need to be tackled. So maybe the the answer is to go back and to listen to them all.
0: Yeah. Shameless plug. I appreciate that. No. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. And I, I mean, we're all still learning. I mean, I was thinking about it, you know, being a so-called expert. And let's be honest, you know, my doctoral studies focused on something very, very specific to do with classroom education and teacher training. So most so-called experts, we have a specific expertise in the most myopic of topics, Right? like we studied one yeah okay we studied a whole bunch of things in school but we only dive dived dove dived, <laughs> we only dove really deeply into this one little area and even when i think back to when i did my research it was over 10 years ago and so the literature review was even before that that research that data is even old today so yeah i always get a little intimidated answering people's questions because i want to help obviously like i really want to help but also i don't know how much help I can be. Uh, You know, I'll I'll say this, folks are always writing in with their perspectives and that I really appreciate. So we did a couple of episodes on threesomes earlier this month and I received a lot of emails, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of Instagram messages about threesomes, kind of ranging from insights, which I shared on last week's podcast, to questions. And one, one question I get a lot of is kind of some permutation of can you find me a third for our threesome ma'am they always call me ma'am I don't know why ma'am I want a threesome I like I want a third I want a third as though I've got like a roster or a rolodex because it's like a 1992 of, of unicorns just dying to go Hang out with random couples. So I'll say that that I can't help you with. I can't help you find a third. But we did have a sponsor who can help you with that. We were working with Field, which is a dating app for couples and singles where you can find not just threesomes, but threesomes are one thing that are one arrangement that are facilitated there. So I I definitely do recommend them. And again, if folks didn't hear the previous podcast, it's F-E-E-L-D. So Field is the app. And it's, you know, just gives you an opportunity to explore human desire, right, in all of its forms. But to go back to what I was originally saying, I was thinking about this notion of expert. And I was thinking, okay, so in this relationship, like, do you expect me to have the answers?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <Shut up>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always coming to you for answers. Actually, I use you as a soundboard and for ideas when it comes to my business. I definitely take a lot, and I mean this. Oh no, I've got the answers in your business. Yeah, of course, in my business, (laughs) you've got the answers. But when it comes to this relationship, I really do take a lot out of all the conversations that we've had. Every time, even when I think I know something, I feel like I want to be receptive and open to what the other person has to say because I feel like I can learn something new. Do
0: you mean me, or do you mean the experts we actually have on the show?
1: Both. How many times have I heard you give certain speeches or or presentations and every time I'm thinking about what do I do what do I not do I mean I don't sometimes I take more out of this out of the conversation than others but generally speaking go in with an open mind go in with the idea that maybe you don't have all the answers
0: you know and I don't want to gush about you too much but that's like one of the things I love about you is that you're always taking information in and thinking about how you can use it like there's no part of you that thinks you know it all you're one of those people that goes into a presentation and even if it sucks you're like yeah I got something out of it and I have to learn to be more like you because I struggle to even sit through a presentation but you said that the other day that you heard Luna and I talk talking about getting into the moment Mm -hmm. right so luna matadas who is amazing was on my show on city tv via tsc i have to think about all the sponsors there uh called intimately you with dr jess and she was talking about how to like be in the moment and she was saying that sometimes you just have to focus on something physical like grab hold of the covers or tune into the feeling of your partner's breath on their body or if you need to slow down count 10 kisses as you work your way down their body so you don't just like dive right into their crotch and you said that you were like i don't know if you mind me sharing why not well you share
1: everything here no no please i actually don't i think i know where you're going with this story but go ahead you said
0: you were lying in bed i
1: was lying in bed the other night and unable to sleep my mind was spinning so I started thinking about that discussion that I overheard between you and Luna and I went to just starting to touch my legs and my abdomen and my arms in places that aren't I don't associate with being erogenous like an erogenous zone but just to kind of tune in and to try and I tried to use it to relax but I ended up getting aroused and
0: waking me up
1: You, uh, I was hello, fast asleep. Hello. With a, with a little poke. Did I Did, did I, I mention... say little poke? Great. Yeah, great.
0: <laughs> An itty-bitty poke. Yeah. I had not slept the night before because the waiter had given me a caffeinated espresso, so I was so tired that next what night. What were
1: your exact words? What? That, when I when I approached you, oh, no. I know. I think oh, no.
0: I said, oh, no. But then, you know. <laughs>
1: you had been asleep in your defense for probably an hour and a half.
0: But my whole point was, though, that you told me, you're like, oh, you know, I was feeling stressed the other night and blah, blah, blah. And I thought of, you know, your conversation with Luna. And I kind of used that advice. And my point is that you're always just taking stuff in. Even though you, you've you actually heard these things probably a hundred times because you're kind of engrossed in this field, even though you don't work in it full time. You could probably do my job. <laughs> then again, I think I can do your I'm job. I'm pretty sure
1: you could do my job. Yeah. The
0: couch goes there. <laughs> Isn't that what you do? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, a I just opened the door.
1: I just opened the door.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've heard you go through over a thousand offers just like, you know, on the phone. Anyhow, I was trying to get to this idea that in this relationship, I don't want to feel like an expert. Like, I don't want to Mm. feel like you trust my opinion more than yours or that you defer to me because, I don't know, I've studied it. Because no matter how much I've studied it, honestly, in the heat of the moment, I'm just a regular human being who gets flooded. I'm just a regular human being who freaks out. I'm a regular person who feels, like, scared and vulnerable and nervous and I don't know, like, do you feel like you have to defer to me? Do you feel like maybe this is a bit of a vulnerable share? Like, do I say something where I'm like, nope, it's like this. And then I shut you down sometimes. Or do you feel shut down even if I don't mean to?
1: No, I don't feel shut down. I think I reflect on my own about the things that I've heard you say and I also think of all the people that we've, that I've had the benefit of listening to and learning from, there are, let's call it a handful of people that I might go to more frequently to read up on their information mm. and to, you know, dial in. I think it's, it's important for me, it's important to understand like, okay, who do I gravitate towards? What kind of information and what can I take out of it? Because if I rely solely on you for all the answers or solely on one therapist or one expert or whatever, I think, I just think I if you have a handful of people that you can pull from and you can constantly be. Changing those handful of people mm-hmm. that you could be drawing information from, right? Like I might have five today, and then I swap one or two of those out over the next few months and pull up a few others. But yeah, there definitely are some great people that we've chatted with that I I go to.
0: Okay, so it's not me. I don't know. Like I've, it's not just I worry you. that I would sometimes just when I receive these questions and people sometimes write them like, "Oh, tell me what to do." Like I have an mm-hmm. answer, and I'm not. I want to be clear. I'm not. Um, disparaging the questions I receive. I actually really appreciate them. I just don't always feel like I have all the answers. And so mm-hmm. I was thinking about just even within the context of the relationship. And I'm sure at times I've said things where it's like, well, no, it's like this. And then maybe you feel trumped because you might feel like I have some expertise. Like I think about, OK, so you're in real estate. So if I say, oh, the market's going this way and you're like, oh, actually, the, st- the stats say it's going this way. Obviously, I'm going to say, oh, OK, well, I would think Brandon would know because it's his job. But then your work is also less nuanced than relationships.
1: I mean, you would think so, but people in my industry don't rely on statistics. They rely on what their stomach tells them or something like that, so it's very different. Well,
0: I think that's also fair, not to get off topic, but you know, a home is an emotional investment. It's not just something that you're intending to make money off of, you're gonna live in it.
1: I mean, the difference is, is I'm always looking at the underlying factors and elements and economic variables that are driving the market in one direction or another, and then applying those layers onto the specific home or building or land or whatever it is that we're buying. Right. So anyway, we're getting off topic.
0: Yeah, I you know, I'm, but... I'm just saying though that like, buyers, if they want to over let's just say pay over current market value it might be worth it for them because that's where they want to spend the rest of their lives or it might be worth it with, for them because that particular home accommodates their child's need or something like that Yeah,
1: there are certainly specific circumstances but even in my own with my own business outside of this i rely i pull information from a handful of other realtors and analysts to formulate my own opinions
0: so you're saying that's sort of what you do in our relationship
1: it is but just so that you know there is a lot that i pull specifically. From you.
0: I don't like that. <laughs> I'm like, what do I know? Yeah. Okay. Well, we should, speaking of questions I don't have the complete answers to. <laughs> well, if
1: you feel that way, I'm up.
0: Because uh, we went a little off topic. Let's get to some of these questions because they are piling up and I am having trouble keeping up with what's coming in. So some of them are a little bit longer. And I want to begin with one that's about erections. And this person has written in to say, my partner is able to get and retain a really banging erection and can reliably orgasm during any type of penile stimulation, hand jobs, oral, even just putting lube on my body and rubbing himself back and forth on me. But he quickly and consistently loses his erection during penetration. The only time he is able to maintain an erection during PIV, so penis and vagina sex, is in role play situations where I'm pretending to be someone other than myself. Logically, I know this issue isn't caused by anything I'm doing or not doing. We also have an amazing relationship and a strong emotional connection. But as this continues to happen, it's starting to erode my self-esteem a nagging voice tells me that he's bored of having sex with me and doesn't want to make the effort unless i jump through hoops to make it extra exciting for him i'm wondering what exactly is really going on here how can i bring this up with him without making him feel like there's something wrong with him i don't want to make the problem worse by adding extra anxiety to him and what we can do to help him maintain his erection during piv sex all right we've been talking about erections
1: Yeah, we have. We have.
0: That's all you're going to say?
1: No, I I have a lot that I could say about this. I just don't know which direction you want me to to start.
0: Well, what's your first reaction as just a regular person? As a
1: regular person, I think that this individual who has sent in the question has really done a lot of thinking and analyzing. It seems very sensitive to their partner's needs. Mm -hmm. And I think immediately, I always think about our situation. If you were to come to me and approach it in the exact same words that more or less this person just said, I would see the vulnerability. I would see that you've given so much thought to this. And I think I would immediately really reflect on the situation and it would it would initiate a dialogue like it would start a conversation and that conversation would you know probably lead me down a road to number one want want to make want to explain how i'm feeling why i'm feeling it maybe my concerns why you know i might be losing my erection in this case and then again just where does the conversation go from there because maybe other uh, solutions pop up uh, you know no pun intended
0: yeah so Uh, yeah there's a lot here so thank you for sending this in I think where I'd like to begin with where I'd like to begin is to ask you what excites you so what so we we now understand what excites him right but what fantasy can you play with that's your own and I'm wondering if that's the way you could potentially bring this up to him so you might say something like you know it can be really hot when we role play in this way and I play another character and I'd also really like to try a b c d e like here are some of the things that are on my mind because it sounds like, first of all, it sounds like you have a great relationship, and I'm happy to hear that. And it sounds like you're quite focused on his needs and, you know, assuaging or patting his anxiety and, attending to him and so I just wonder if you can tune into yours just a little bit as you approach that conversation you had said that you're you know you talked about the things you're worried about so you said a nagging voice tells you that he's bored and doesn't want to make the effort unless you jump through hoops to make it extra exciting and so I, I guess I would challenge you to think about well what does that mean if he's bored right like is it such a big deal if he's a little bit bored and also is that your responsibility like it's not you that's boring it's perhaps certain types of sex that you've created together that that maybe aren't as exciting and that's okay. You know, he's 50% responsible for making things exciting and it sounds like he's in some way done his job in that he's, you've both done your jobs, that he's told you what turns him on. You're obliging that fantasy. I think it's really good that you're being mindful of his anxiety, but also it's not your job to manage it. So if you do say something that, you know, provokes a bit of nerves or anxiety or reaction in him, that's also okay, right? That will happen in relationships. So it, And then if we go back to the issue at hand, if we consider it an issue, I'm presuming it's an issue because you wrote in, but it doesn't have to be an issue. I'm wondering if just from an erection perspective, maybe the physical sensation of a hand or a mouth or friction of rubbing against your body is what keeps them hard. And maybe like whatever it feels like within a vagina, maybe it's like the warmth or the comfort or the predictability. So whether it's physical or psychological, just it doesn't lead to an erection. And that doesn't mean that it's worse or better. It just doesn't happen to help maintain an erection. So if you want to maintain an erection during PV sex, it might be that you reach down and use your hand on the lower part mm. of the penis, or he reaches down and uses his hand. You might also wear a toy, mm-hmm. right? So like you could use a penis ring. I know we like the WeVibe pivot.
1: Big fan, big fan.
0: Which by the way, I should mention, because I was working with lovehoney.ca and lovehoney.com. They're having a big sale right now, and you can save a little bit more money with my code Doctor Jess 10 But anyhow, that aside, um, a toy might help. So it might just be something as simple as that, well, the physical sensation of a vagina doesn't lead to or maintain an erection and that doesn't necessarily have to be a good bad thing. It might be just neutral. It might just be fat. If on the other hand it's more of a psychological thrill. So perhaps your is really turned on by a specific experience of like risk or the forbidden so maybe oral and manual and rubbing on your body feels like naughty or dangerous in some way whereas intercourse perhaps feels really safe right so maybe it's that psychological piece that you can explore in the conversation like and then that kind of maybe ties into the role play where you're playing somebody else so it's like the excitement of the forbidden the excitement of novelty the excitement of the unknown there are probably other ways that you can tie in that risk Right. As opposed to maybe, and so I keep kind of talking about erections and being turned on. And those two things don't always go hand in hand. So I even need to be really careful with that, with the way, you know, I frame that. Cause again, a loss of an erection isn't a sign that there's a loss of arousal. It just means that the blood flow isn't being held mm-hmm. in the penis in that moment. It doesn't mean that he's not turned on. It doesn't even mean he can't have an orgasm, right? You can have an orgasm even without an erection. So it could be physical, it could be psychological, it could be a combination of both. I do think it's worth talking about, both about what you want to go back to like, what's your fantasy, right? So you can explore other fantasies and other role plays, but also how you're feeling, right? That piece around feeling like you have to jump through hoops because that, that sounds like pressure to me. And maybe it feels a bit one-sided to you. I'm not entirely sure, but I do hope that you have this conversation. Another approach is to tune into like mindful sex. So if that loss of erection is, for example, related to nerves around intercourse, like a, a negative feedback loop that has been created where he lost his erection once or twice or a few times and then he keeps thinking it's going to happen then some mindful sex practices can help but there are many many reasons why he may not have an erection during intercourse and i just really want to drive that home that it could be a physical sensation it could be a psychological thing it could be a mindfulness thing it could be an anxiety thing it could just be that that's not what he's into and that's also okay
1: see what i'm saying my answer is have a conversation and for the last five minutes, I've sat here and listened to all the other possible solutions and, and things. And that's why I take so much more out of what it is in this realm you have to Man, say. Don't, and don't I'm gonna strip give, my ego. <laughs> I'm going to give a shameless plug right now because some of these mindfulness techniques oh, you're yeah. talking about, you have a mindful sex course as well that really does allow people to focus in on that. If
0: Do you know where people can find it?
1: Uh, sexwithdrjess.com <laughs> just kidding is it happiercouples.com
0: you got it I know I, I know no I'm just Happy teasing happiercouples.com
1: Dr. Do. Jess's mindful sex class
0: thanks for that plug alright so thank you for that question and I hope that this exploration helps you to just start a new conversation because it sounds like you already have the foundation to work this out and you seem very kind of introspective and reflective even just from the way you the way you framed your, your question. so thanks for writing in okay I've got some other questions here. Where shall we go? This one to me, I don't wanna say it's simple, but it might be a shorter answer. So this person says, I have a question that is focused on dating. Do you think leagues are a thing? Like when someone says they're out of their league or dating or marrying up, you're a five and they're a 10. Although sometimes this refers to socioeconomic divides in terms of education, income, rather than just physical attractiveness alone. But I wanted to know your thoughts on how you think these divides can be overcome. Hmm. As I hear this enough and I've seen it sometimes get in the way of my friends' relationships.
1: Again, I, I have to laugh that you throw to me first. I think leagues exist. I don't want them to exist. I think they're economic, social, you know, physical leagues that I think we've been told exist i've had people say that to me like she's out of your league or they are you know what i mean they're out of your league and what does that mean it it focuses on one or two things
0: usually looks when somebody says that right
1: and that whole idea of trading up man such a, I don't know, that just sounds so, I've heard it so many times. It feels so it, sad to me,
0: like just the world operating in this way, and I'm, I'm not pretending that it doesn't exist, and I'm not pretending that I'm like immune to it either. So I guess the question is, how can we overcome them? And I wonder if it has to do with really knowing our values. Like, you know, when you mm-hmm. read those reflections from old people or dying people, Mm-hmm. And they tell you what they wish they had done, right? Told people how they feel, connected with people in their lives, spent more time loving. And I wonder, like, if we go to our values, and I always go to my 99 rule, like, what will I care about when I'm 99? I think about, you know, will you care that somebody looked a specific way? Or will you care even about money, like things that we spend a lot of time working for? Mm-hmm. Right? Whether it's for security, but also for excitement, for all the things you can do for status. Sorry, I'm, I'm feeling like a little choked up thinking about those.
1: I mean, I, those messages. I, from I the think older back to people. when we first got together, and, and I would be lying if I said I wasn't physically attracted to you. But there's your physical appearance now pales in comparison, and you are beautiful. I'm not trying to discount that, but it pales in comparison to who you are as a person. Like, there's again, I know we're gonna gush here and, and do things like that, but I'm like. Who you are is more important to me than how you look. Okay, and that's just one. That's just one element. And I here.
0: really know that with you. Like I've I've said that before. Like even in my own therapy sessions uh, with my own personal therapist, I've said like I just don't think you really care. Like, I know that you would love me no matter what, but here's the thing, would you have gotten to know me?
1: Agreed. Like, I know where you're going, sorry, I cut you off. No, go ahead. Would I have gotten to know you if you physically looked a different way Mm -hmm. when we first got together? You know, again, being honest, I don't think I would have, I don't think that the connection would have been there initially because I had been taught and I'm still taught to look at one particular, or, you know, to look at one thing. Over the last couple of decades, I have discovered that I find different things very attractive. And I think that it's about allowing yourself to think outside of the box. Mm -hmm. As a a heterosexual, you know, white man, I'm taught this is what you should look for in a partner. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely feel different now, for sure
0: yeah i keep going back to that and i mean i'm i was only attracted to you for the way you looked really mm-hmm. we, we were a hookup
1: yeah for sure right? we were like, a hookup we didn't know where it was going to go
0: your personality it was kind of um not so great i mean You're... i'm
1: super funny <laughs> i mean if you just
0: no i did i liked your personality but uh, that's not why i wanted to hang out with you that no. night in the backseat of your mom's purple yeah. ford escort so
1: how do you get around that i guess exactly you know
0: so i think we you know also we were kids and it really was for the sex that night yeah and then we happened to hang out and i was like oh he's so funny and he's so nice and he is so nice to me and all of these other things okay so I I don't know that we're really answering how do we overcome these divides I think it's about knowing your values right and not lying to yourself about them and then actually having to really work if we think about it from a systemic perspective work to overcome Oppressive values that really Mm. are around capitalism and the patriarchy and white supremacy and all of these things to know, okay, so what really matters to me? And I'm not just throwing those words out there, but we've been told that status matters. Like, I mean, I have to admit, it feels good to be recognized as successful in business. That's the truth mm-hmm. for me. Like I think uh, especially as a woman, especially as a woman who tends to be underestimated in terms of like my cognitive capacity, my business capacity.
1: Has anyone ever seen you throw a football too?
0: I can throw a good football. Oh, well, of course my. I'm under, I'm always, esti- always underestimated then, on a boom, sports you're, field. <laughs> you're like throw
1: like a 40 yard <laughs> tight spiral. Okay,
0: I think we're exaggerating okay, now. 40 right. yards. 42,
1: 42. 14 <laughs> yards,
0: maybe 14 yards. I don't even think I, I can think throw so, 14 man. yards. It's tight. But, but yeah, there's this, Thing where we want to be seen as like talented even right like I'm bragging about a football we want to be seen as beautiful I have to admit and this comes down to what's the first thing people say to you when you walk into a room and I was reading you know that we should learn to give compliments and that are not physically related like that mm-hmm. aren't about the way you look and I was reading something else suggesting that we should stop giving looks-based compliments, which is, for me at least, it's a hard thing because I see you and I'm like, I like your shirt or I like your eyeshadow or you look beautiful. And I mean, I'm very careful with those types of compliments because I get that not everybody wants to hear that or Mm -hmm. wants to hear that from me, but we're we're getting a little bit away from this here, I'm, I'm sorry. But I think that when we really think about what we value, we have to do a lot of undoing, like a lot of unpacking and getting rid of these ideas that we've been told around whether, you know, this person writes about socioeconomic success or physical appearance. I mean, especially when it comes to pleasure. And you've said this so many times when it comes to sex and pleasure. The way somebody looks is for many of us, not for everybody. It's just such a small part of the equation. Mm -hmm. And then I have to also acknowledge that like I'm, I'm magazine pretty. Like I get that. I'm light skinned skinny all of these things that we're told we're supposed to be you're obviously uh, like we we would use the word classically handsome but that's like also very eurocentric but like you could be on a magazine and so then for us to be saying this like oh we need to get over beauty standards might i don't know do we have any right to even say it
1: i think about your core value suggestion if i were to write those excuse me if i had to if i had to date right now i think it's a great exercise to think about what's important to me and then, if you're online dating, do you look for some of those keywords in somebody's description as opposed to just focusing in on the photo? Right. Right. Like, I, it might be a very interesting exercise to block the screen and to only look for those words that mm-hmm. pop up because <laughs> maybe. Maybe it opens you up to meeting some people that you otherwise wouldn't have considered. It's just an idea. I have no
0: idea. No, that I mean, I, I don't have the answers for something like this. But I think we need to stop and ask ourselves to why we say we're attracted to some people versus others. Actually, somebody brought something up from a show, Love Island, which I'm sorry I haven't watched. But my, my neighbor asked me, there's some sort of a scenario there where they're saying, well, I'm just not physically attracted. And the question is, can you cultivate physical attraction. And I really believe you can. Like one thing that's really changed for me is changing my feed on Instagram and Mm -hmm. in all the places I consume images to see all sorts of bodies. It's really fascinating the way the brain becomes reprogrammed to see so many different types of bodies as beautiful and to see different ages, um, different shapes, all of these things as, as sexual when they want to be. Right. I'm not sexualizing them, but like some I have different people on my feed and I'm like, wow, I never saw these images for 30 years of my life because you only saw one specific body being allowed to be sexual, to derive pleasure. And once you start seeing it, and I think that was your experience at Desire as well, you know, Desire Resorts, we've talked about it before, seeing real live people of different ages, of different sizes, of different shapes, enjoying pleasure makes you realize that, oh, your attraction is way beyond what you see in the magazines. Like the magazines you you know is beautiful only because you've been told it's beautiful. It's not, I was talking about like animal attraction, which is what's natural to us versus sociocultural attraction. And so I get that there's one, way or, you know, limited ways you're supposed to look socioculturally, but animally there's something different. So I do hope that maybe changing our feed, really thinking about what matters and knowing our values, looking beyond the photos and having these conversations, right? Like be honest with yourself because let's be honest, tons of the people I work with only want to be with someone who has, you know, a specific educational background or a specific financial situation. And the thing about money and looks is that they can always go away and we see it all the time. But core values don't necessarily go away. Like in most cases, a lot of people are growing. So I think, I don't know, man, I hope the world gets better and that leagues are eliminated because it's a whole lot of BS, right?
1: Yep. Agreed
0: okay let's thank you for writing that in I hope
1: short answer I'm sorry I know
0: (laughs) let's talk about a couple more of these so I have a short one here my wife and I have been married for 14 years and now we have problems in our romantic relationship a friend of mine suggested that we go into the swing lifestyle my wife is a little hesitant based on your experience and people around you what should we do I would say that moving into any sort of ethically non-monogamous relationship as a solution to problems in a relationship is probably not going to work so it's not a prescription to fix things it's likely that it could potentially exacerbate all that's in your relationship for the better for the worse I don't see people say oh we struggle with communication so let's go into the lifestyle and it works out or we struggle with uh, you know infidelity so we go into the lifestyle and it works out now if you specifically have a great relationship and you are struggling with monogamy then maybe this is something to explore but from saying like from this very short question that says you have um, problems in your romantic relationship Relationship. I would say work on the issues first, then you can consider the buffet in front of you I'm not saying that you have to like wait until all of your issues are resolved, but I would say that opening up is not universal solution, just like monogamy is not a universal solution. So if you've got issues, they will be there, whether you're monogamous or consensually non-monogamous in in some way.
1: I'm just laughing, thinking about how... So this is a... I'm sorry, I forget the question. Is it a husband who suggests that his partner... It just says my wife. Okay, so his wife or their wife. I'm just laughing because I agree with you. It's like we're having problems with the distribution of chores in our relationship and getting into an open relationship would solve that i mean maybe but it just seems, I agree with you. In- it's
0: sort of like people say like, oh, you know, we're fighting, but if once the wedding comes, we'll be fine. Or we're really struggling with this, but once the kid comes, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have said, you know, I think I'll feel more connected to my partner once we have a kid. And of course, kids don't make things easier. Sure, they add love and meaning and connection in some ways, but they also add stress and financial burden and take away from your time, to potentially take away from your time together. So no, I would say that um, work on the relationship regardless. of whether or not you decide to open up explore the lifestyle if that's something you're both into but don't use it as a solution uh, and think that it's going to fix things okay let's do one more i got a nice note from this person about liking the podcast and they say i'm 27 my boyfriend is 26 we've been together for seven months he recently told me that he fantasized about being dominated other than the occasional spank or even like choke i haven't taken on that role before i tend to prefer to be dominated too so while i'm happy to try it out i'm unsure how to begin and how to feel confident doing so separately we are working on communication and sex but I still struggle with initiating sex and talking about it for fear of rejection or being humiliated I've been feeling like I want sex more than him but because I don't know how to start it I end up waiting for him to be in the mood I end up feeling unattractive like I'm unable to seduce my boyfriend even though logically I know that he sometimes might just be tired or not in the mood and that's okay last week after months of my internal agonizing he brought up the subject and asked how I would describe my libido. He told me that his is changeable and that sometimes he can tell I'm trying to make it happen but he just doesn't feel like it. He suggested I try telling him that I want him and that can sometimes get him in the mood too. I now feel pressure to assert myself in a way I feel uncomfortable doing. I feel very vulnerable stating that I want sex especially since I know that if he wanted it he would have initiated already. I told him once that I felt the patriarchy made me less sexually assertive because women are taught to be passive, and he told me to stop blaming my problems on external factors. Any advice on both of these topics would be very much appreciated. Okay, so two quite separate questions. So thank you for writing this in. I'm glad to hear that you are communicating about how you feel. I think it's really great that you're able to talk about, you know, your fear of rejection, fear of being humiliated, feeling unattractive. And I think those are some areas to perhaps tune into and to ask yourself a little bit about rejection. Like what what would happen if you were rejected, right? In the grand scheme of things, what would be the outcome, right? How would you feel in your body? How would you feel in your head? How would you feel in the relationship? How can you self-soothe if you feel rejected? How can you ask for support and love and care if you feel rejected? Because I think that being rejected, learning to manage rejection is an essential life skill. It's a really important piece. And I do, you know, around gender roles, we can often struggle with who does the initiating but there's nothing that says that the genitals between your leg or the gender assigned at birth or your gender identity determines whether or not you're the one who initiates. So there's a lot here and so I hope you kind of keep exploring that fear of rejection and maybe leaning into rejection a little bit more to know that you know if you do get rejected it's okay right? You're still the same person. You're still loved in the same way. And maybe look at other areas of your life where you manage rejection more effectively. Because sometimes sex can feel like the end-all be-all. Like if my partner says no to me, what does that mean? Does it mean that I'm not attractive? Does it mean that they're never going to say yes again? Does it mean that I'm going to be too afraid to ever try it again? But if you go to other areas of our lives, like for example, like applying for a job or trying to get a contract or trying out for a team or, you know, applying to a program or school or anything like that you probably haven't got a yes from every single application or effort and you've moved through right despite one rejection there are going to be other invites or acceptances and so I think that that's just an area worth exploring Uh, you also use the word humiliated and i think that's i'm glad you shared that because that's a tough feeling to deal with um and i know there are people out there thinking well humiliation can actually be erotic but i don't think we're there yet but i do think about you know why would it be humiliating if your partner said no right like could you just stop and say oh this feels really bad in my body here's what I'm feeling my butt is clenching my jaw is kind of tensing my heart is racing I feel sweaty I feel frustrated because I had that tingle between my legs and now I'm not getting what I need maybe I can go masturbate to kind of get rid of that feeling but also what can I do like should I just take a couple of deep breaths should I do something else should we look for other ways to connect I think it's important that he's saying that his libido is changeable what that sounds like to me is that he is isn't always spontaneously in the mood his sexual desire is more responsive meaning if he's not in the mood there are things that he can do or things that you can help with to get him in the mood and that's part of being in a long-term relationship because in long-term relationships sexual desire doesn't tend to occur spontaneously would you say you're the same like you're I'm not saying you're never spontaneously in the mood but oftentimes it's a responsive thing
1: now, a lot of what was said here I I personally understand. It It resonates with me. I mean, I've been pretty open and honest <laughs> about my experiences on this podcast. And I would say that there have been circumstances, not so much where I'm getting rejected. I think that I tend to push back when you've made approaches to me without realizing what I'm doing. Like you'll come and kiss me on the shoulder or do something and and try to initiate and without even thinking about it because I'm just not in, in the quote unquote mood or I haven't done the work to maybe understand, acknowledge what you're doing and then be receptive to it. Even if I'm not turning, even if I am turning you down, it's kind of like you can do it in a way where you've expressed that you still desire that person and uh, but now maybe you are in you're in a different headspace or it's just so a lot of you're these on things, your
0: phone and I'm trying to kiss you. <laughs> I'm a pain well, in the ass. I'm like no, you you're admit, not, I'm I, annoying. No, not at not at all. But it,
1: I do think that I respond a, a certain way to to sex and to advances, and it may not be the um, it may not be the norm in terms of how you know men are told to respond, right? Which I think is a lot of bullcrap. I think that there's just you're supposed to, as a guy, you're we were told. I was told growing up that you're supposed to want sex all the time. Anyone ever presents it to you, you're supposed to jump on it. The truth is, I don't feel like that, and it does take me time. When I, during the day you approach me, I love you, I'm attracted to you, but I probably have 15 other things going on that are eating at me. So I have to acknowledge, maybe I can take a minute to just enjoy this.
0: But sometimes you can't.
1: But a lot of times I can't.
0: You've got a lot on the go.
1: Yeah, so... Anyway, I'm not answering anything, but I'm just, I'm feeling a lot of similarities in this and rejection and humiliation are really hard to deal with. I mean, I deal with it on a daily basis with what I do and and rejection is hard. Like it feels really crappy when somebody says, even from a business perspective, they don't want to work with you because it's, it's a cut against, you think it's a cut against who you are when a lot of times it may have something that doesn't have anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. There could be something else going on with that person or another reason that they reject you. And Mm -hmm. the same principles could apply in a relationship.
0: Yeah, and you need to practice that being rejected right in in like safer environments I, I think what you're saying too is interesting so if you're in the middle of doing something like you're working on an offer and i come up to you i, I don't feel like i'm usually trying to have sex with you by the way no. <laughs> i'm just trying to touch you how
1: i've interpreted your <laughs> your, your touch yeah <laughs> like oh you want to have sex with
0: I, I was just trying to squeeze through a small space and you were there no just teasing <laughs> but if i kiss you and you saying like you know i need a minute i have to also understand that you might be saying no to one specific thing but you're not saying no to me like you're mm-hmm. not saying no just get away from me you're saying, no, I don't have time for that right now, or I'm not in the mood right now. And sometimes you might say, and actually for me, especially lately, I'm not in the mood, but you can get help to get me in the mood. Or Mm -hmm. it's also my job to get myself in the mood. So
1: that's what I was thinking too. You could take a minute and go and do your thing.
0: And I know this is um, kind of a big question, but I hope that you get a little bit more comfortable initiating, whether that's like teasing with him, or kissing with him, or lying with him, or asking what you can do for him or telling him what you'd like him to do to you, right? It's not your job to just, you know, he says his libido is changeable. It's not always your job to get him in the mood. He can also change it himself. I do want to speak to that piece about the patriarchy. I'm just trying to find that piece. Oh, so you told him once that you felt the patriarchy made you feel less sexually assertive because women are taught to be passive and he told you to stop blaming your problems on external factors. Okay. So I think this is an important piece to address because we are not immune from systemic forces and humans do not exist with their own free will in a vacuum. So... Your identity, whether it's your gender identity, your sexual orientation, your age, your race, other pieces that are core to your being, when you are dealing with oppression, when you are dealing with stigma, when you are dealing with restrictive role assignments, that inevitably is going to affect how you feel. And so I really don't want to dismiss this. I would love for you to be able to have a conversation with your partner about this because I think this is quite a big deal. Uh, You are not blaming your problems on external factors. Your identity is tied to the way you move throughout the world because everywhere you go you are treated as a woman. All the messages you have received around sex are tied to your gender identity. I'm not saying that you can't you know, change some of those or make some shifts. But this idea that we're all just kind of self-determined and if you have the right mindset and if you take action, you can be anything you wanna be, comes from a place of privilege. Not everybody has the same privilege to move throughout the world and make the changes that it sounds like are being suggested. So I think that's a really fair thing to say, that, you know, as a woman, you've received these messages. And I think maybe you could go back to him and say, you know, it's, it's important that I kind of flesh these out with you and, and I'd like you to understand. And maybe you can go do some reading on your own about the ways in which patriarchal oppression affects the way women mate, relate, have sex, and feel about ourselves sexually.
1: But do you see what I'm saying? At the very beginning, how can I not take something... Out of this conversation if some if you were to present that to me okay. now no no stop. come on you're being real. my
0: charles boyle no
1: i get that i'm being your Boyle here <laughs> but but what i'm saying is if you were to say that to me and and all of a sudden i'm like yeah you're right every single day every single thing that you do you are being impacted by this so to say that stop blaming external sources i'm, I'm like again as a man in this conversation i told, i should think about things from that perspective Right. Gives me an opportunity to be a better man, to be a better human being and a partner to you.
0: Right. And a question you might ask for curiosity is, you know, how does what are the roles you think you've been assigned as a guy? Right. Like maybe he feels badly saying no. Maybe because I mean, you've kind of said this, that when gender roles get reversed in a cis hetero relationship, it can feel emasculating that's not my job to fix the world needs to be fixed and you can also work through your feelings and i can support you like i don't want to make you feel a way that feels bad for you but i also don't want to play into gender stereotypes and say well i need to make my man feel like a man like if there's something that turns you on about feeling like a man i'm happy to play with that (laughs) but in life we need to work on that like you need to work on that
1: absolutely and
0: we all need to dismantle that and that's when i talk about patriarchy I'm not just talking about misogyny and the way it adversely affects women. We're also talking about the way it's hard on men. It's not good for anybody. Obviously, it excludes anyone who's non-binary and trans folks, but it's it's not good for anybody at all is the bottom line.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think... Asking yourself and, and more importantly as in that conversation there and that question is just being the man in that and thinking about it. like think about how do I move through the world without thinking about any of these other things. Like I find I'm using a workbook right now and asking myself the questions and writing down how you know how I'm impacted really changes my perception of how I navigate through the world. So I think you know yeah think about it. Think about it and do do the work. Is the
0: workbook uh, on um, gender?
1: No, the work the workbook is on being white, white fragility. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, when I'm I'm finding it really helpful to understand my privilege. More importantly, the questions and the activities that you have to do on a daily basis to think about things.
0: Uh, and do they talk about gender? I'm just curious because you brought it up.
1: Uh, haven't gotten to gender. They do make some reference to it, but not as much. Okay. Not as much. Cool.
0: Thanks for sharing that do you no. want to say the name or i don't know it
1: uh it's leila Said. i'm not sure if i pronounced their name oh
0: i know okay i know it yeah
1: uh, yeah so is it me and white
0: supremacy or not yeah
1: me and white supremacy okay. so yeah really uh, great book is it on
0: your ipad it is oh, on okay because i'm like i haven't yeah. seen that around
1: though um, <laughs> in particular it's the questions that i find really helpful because it's one thing to read the information in a chapter but when you get to the questions at the end where you actually have to write down your personal experience in being oppressive It's not until I actually start to work through the questions where I'm like, yes, I've done that. Yes, I've thought that. Yes, I still do this. And then for me, it really cements what was said in that chapter. And I find it very, very helpful to work at the workbook. Okay.
0: Thank you. All right, well, I'm going to stop there because we went way over time and I know Brandon actually has to go. But uh, really do thank you for your questions. I didn't answer the piece around learning to be a dom. Uh, I'm going to direct you to lunamatadas.com because I believe Luna has a whole course, like a webinar you can watch on learning to be a dom, which I think is worthwhile, lunamatadas.com. So do check that out. I want to say thank you to our sponsors as well. Been working with Love Honey and they have a big sale on right now so do go check out lovehoney.com or lovehoney.ca it'll take you to the appropriate country uh, take advantage of that sale you know somebody actually had sent in another question about a quiet sex toy i get that question like all the time and um quiet sex toys womanizer the womanizer toys are actually on sale at lovehoney so check them out and use code dr jess 10 for an additional i think 10 percent off that would make sense so but it's
1: dr jess Dr. Doctor.
0: Correct. D-R-J-E-S-S-10. Uh, thanks, babe. Thanks for chatting. That was a little bit uh, different than usual, but mm-hmm. good to it chat It was great.
1: With you. Yeah. Same. Same, same. 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 same.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, folks. And yeah, thanks for being my Charles Boyle. If folks don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Charles Boyle is always pumping up uh, <laughs> Jake Kralt. I feel bad when you're like pumping me up like that.
1: Hey, I love it. Uh, I, I lo- we go back and forth. Makes so me So today, sweat. I'm, I'm your Boyle. In 2024,
0: I'll be your boil. Okay, great. (laughs) All right. Thanks, folks. Have a great one wherever you're at. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.